Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. As we come around the Word today, I've got some special teaching that I've been spending some time preparing. I'm very aware of the situation that we're facing in our world and the emotions that are incredibly charged at the moment. But I want to teach on this topic and uh, I want us to get some benefit from it. And I'm going to take some time today because I believe it's an extremely important topic in bringing people together. So hopefully you're sitting at a table as we're going to spend some time in a very important topic today that I believe is going to bring people together. So as we begin today, I was reading a fascinating book by a man called Adam Gopnik. And the book's called The Table Comes First. And the subtitle, Family, France, and the Meaning of of food. And he makes some very interesting comments. In the book he says this, he says, eating is an intelligent act or it's an animal act. And then he says what makes it intelligent is the company of other mouths and minds. So we're not just consuming food, but it's the company and the mouths and the minds. And then he says this, that a British chef, he quotes this in the book, British chef Fergus Henderson once said to him, he said, I don't understand how young people can begin life by buying a sofa or a television. Don't they know the table comes first? In other words, when you start a home, the first thing you should think about is a table. And uh, have you noticed how in life today the table's not important? Some people don't even have tables in their homes. And I love that program, Blue Bloods, where every time the program ends, they're all at the table sharing their lives, teaching the children lessons about politics and police matters, uh, injustice, social justice. It all comes out at the table. And that's why it's very important for us to consider the table today because the table of the Lord and the table of our homes are interlinked and are extremely important. Have you noticed how, how popular some of these dining programs are, like uh, Come Dine With Me UK, Come Dine With Me SA? And often it isn't because of the food. It's not about the menu as much as about the interaction and the conversation between the different people. And it's the same with the table of the Lord. We shouldn't just come to church and partake of emblems. No, it's about interaction and conversation and who we belong to because our society is being fractured and relationships are being torn apart because we don't understand the importance of the table. I was reading that they, they say our culture is eating out more than eating in. They say that 60 years ago, the average length of a meal in a home was 90 minutes. Today, the average length is 12 minutes because we're no longer spending time with one another. We're eating alone. Since 1967, when the microwave was first invented, they say by 1975, a million were being sold a year. And then that was the advent of fast food, you know, TV dinners, prepared meals. People were eating alone in front of the television. They preferred to engage on a screen while eating than engage with other human beings. Now, let me just say this very carefully here because we're engaging online on a screen right now. But I'm looking forward to us engaging person to person because God really does want us around a table. And so what I want to speak about today is I'm entitled the message, Returning to the Table, because we need to get back to the table of the Lord, but we also need to get back to the table in our homes. Very important to eat around a table. You know, most homes years ago had two dining room tables, one in the kitchen and one in the dining room. Today, you don't even get dining room tables. People put their linen on the dining room table, and you have bar stools facing 
the wall. People sit facing a wall or they face you know, a counter island in a kitchen. If you think of the great boarding schools of the past, you know, you had these great dining halls where all the students sat together and interacted with each other. But today in the modern, modern schools, there are shelves against the wall and people sit alone. They eat on their own. They sit against a shelf with a computer, with their laptop. And so we've lost the art of eating together because we've focused on the eating rather than what actually the table means. And the table of the Lord and the table of our families are linked together and are extremely important for us to focus on. So, you know, what we learn at a table is very important. Growing up, sitting at a table, you learn all sorts of things. And I was just thinking some of the things I learned at the table, manners, sociability, giving, you know, sharing, passing the dishes, human interaction. And they say the more you eat at a table in your home, the less the obesity, the less the depression, the less the children have dysfunction because the interaction of the table more than the actual food brings about a dynamic in them that is extremely healthy. And, uh, you know, the table of the Lord is the same. We don't just come to church and partake of the emblems and be disconnected from one another. We need to understand that God wants us literally to be at a table. Now, we can't do that in a huge auditorium in our large churches, but the principle must be understood because we need to be joining hearts and joining lives. If you think of... Uh, you know, you're growing up here. A lot of what you learned is learned at the table. I was reading about this man, Jack Dangermond. He's a businessman, billionaire businessman, in fact, worth $5 billion, and also an environmental scientist. And he was speaking about his growing up years and why he's successful today. And he said this. He said, my parents were immigrants who started a nursery as a way to get us kids through school. So they came from humble beginnings. And he says, I learned around the dinner table about customer service and cash flow and paying bills. You see, it used to be the place where people learned these things. We've left too much to the schools. We send our kids to school. But actually, the dinner table, the breakfast table, the lunch table, is the place where these things should happen. And the table needs to be returned to its central place in our homes. And especially the table of the Lord needs to be central in the church. Uh, Dylan Lauren Reed is the daughter of Ralph Lauren the fashion designer in America, and she owns a, a chain of candy stores and was very successful in launching them. But this is what she said. She said, I received most of my business education around the dinner table. Whether I listened to my father or brothers, or we had business people as dinner guests, I learned from everyone. And I think we don't realize the value of the table. You know, when your kids sit around the table, when people sit around the table, hearts are shared, lives are shared, real opinions come through, real genuine lives are bonded and linked. And uh, it was uh, Ronald Reagan who commented many, many years ago, the uh, President of the United States, he said, all great change in America begins at the dinner table. And, you know, people say, oh, that's so old school, you know, you've got to get with it. Well, I, I want to suggest to you, let me give you a warning. Before we throw out anything and call it old school, let's ask ourselves why it's there. Where does it come from? Does it have biblical roots and does it have value? Before we just say, well, everyone's different. We just prefer to sit with our computers. We need to think it through because the table is extremely valuable in the life of people. Uh, Pastor Tony Evans in the United States, he's the father of Priscilla Shira, for those of you that don't know. He said this, he said, when fathers come home after a rough day at work, they should come home to serve like my father did, teaching lessons around the dinner table and leading the family in worship and prayer. The table should be restored. We should return to the table. Now, let me take you on a bit of a journey, and then I'm going to give you some things about the table of the Lord. But stay with me here. Did you know the Bible starts with eating 
And in the book of Genesis, the first command that God gave to man was eat freely. Genesis uh, chapter 2 and verse 16. And then right in the book of Revelation, the last thing that's told to us in Revelation chapter 22 is come drink freely. So the Bible starts with eating and ends with drinking. And, and it's not really you're talking about consuming to stay alive. It's talking about the interaction that we have with God and with each other when we come to the table. Do you realize that Jesus ate with all sorts of people? And he showed us through his eating that it wasn't about getting a free meal because they were a traveling band of disciples, but because he wanted to interact and engage with different kinds of people. Let's, uh, let's read you because I just want to remind you of how Jesus' ministry took place. It didn't take place in meetings. It took place around the table. And Matthew chapter 9 says that while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. And his disciples, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? You see, Jesus wasn't just going there to get food. It wasn't the basics. He wanted to engage, and the best way to engage with people, to get to know them, to understand their hurts, their pain, uh, to understand different races, people of different backgrounds, is to eat with them. Because when you're passing and sharing food and having conversation, something amazing happens at the table. We read again in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus speaking. He says this, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. So you see, whether you do it or whether you don't, you're damned in today's world. But he says here, John came neither eating nor drinking. They say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. Jesus confesses that, and they say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. What they missed was the meal was more than Jesus eating. He may have spent a long time at the table eating, so they called him a glutton. But what he was trying to do, he was trying to engage with people because the best way to engage with people is to return to the table. If you're finding your kids are disconnected from your families, get back to the table. That's where bonding and conversation and manners and etiquette, and we learn how to converse properly. Again, Luke chapter 15 and verse 1. Now tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Interesting word here in the Greek for welcomes is the word predictakai. And it means to wait with eager expectation and goodwill. What it's really saying is Jesus was super keen to be at the table with people who were sinners, who were lost, who needed him, because he knew over food and sharing, he could share his heart, he could learn about them, and he could reach them with a message. Think about all the meals that Jesus had. He was constantly eating. He multiplied food several times. He ate the famous Passover with his disciples, the Last Supper. And uh, when, you, when you see Jesus' first miracle, it was food, it was wine. And people have asked, why would Jesus multiply wine? It can't be real wine. He would never do that. No, he multiplied the wine because a feast usually lasted for seven days. Read Judges and you'll see Samson's feast, seven days. That was the Jewish tradition. So what he did was he was saying, I'm going to multiply this wine. There's enough food so that the feasting and the fellowship and the connection can go on. It's not about gluttony or drunkenness. It's about returning and staying at the table because that's where people are bonded and that's where people enjoy each other's company. Remember in Matthew's gospel, it says of Jesus that when he saw them without food, he said he had compassion on them. Remember that? Matthew chapter 15, it says he had compassion on them. Why? Because they hadn't eaten. Jesus was very aware of the interaction and, and the relationship that took place around a table, and he felt for people who weren't enjoying a meal with others. Think of him after his resurrection. 
He cooked a meal on the beach. Have you ever thought about that? He comes after his resurrection, cooks a meal on the beach, and that's the way he connects with his disciples. Then he appears to them on the road to Emmaus, and he walks with them. And then they sit down to a meal, and at the meal, he reveals himself to them. He comes into a room when the disciples are all locked away, and the Bible says they were busy eating, and he actually asks for food. You can go and read up on this in Mark chapter 16, and uh, you can read again in Luke chapter 24 on the road to Emmaus, and then you can read in John chapter 21 where he asks, do you have anything to eat when he appears in the room? Jesus was all about meals because the table is extremely important. Now, when Jesus appeared on the beach, to his disciples and to Peter, he made a fire and they ate on the beach at this fire. And if you study the text, you'll see very carefully they ate, they ate what Jesus had cooked. And it says this in John's gospel, it was after he had finished eating that he asked Peter, do you love me? He didn't sit down at the meal and straight away start rebuking Peter for denying him. They had a meal, they bonded and reconnected over food and sharing and what he had cooked and he gave some to them and they ate and he created a calm bonding atmosphere which is what the Lord's table is meant to be when we come to church. We come and bond with one another because we belong to one another and then he broached the subject with Peter so Peter wouldn't feel condemned but he'd be more conducive to receiving it. You know parents, if you want to correct your children, don't sit down at the meal and sulk and, you know, what's wrong with dad? What's wrong with mom? Eat, share, pass the food around, chat, laugh. And then when you've got things to say, you know, can, can I just say? And then broach it. The children will be more open to taking the correction than they would if we ignore the table or don't eat at the table and sulk and go off into our room alone or eat alone. Let's try and follow what Jesus did because food was very, very important. Even, you know, in the book of Acts, uh, uh, after the resurrection. The Bible says in Acts that Jesus was eating with the disciples. Then he spoke to them about the Holy Spirit. Over a meal, he chatted about the Holy Spirit. Then when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the early church, the Bible says they broke bread and they ate together in their homes. It wasn't talking about sharing food because there was poverty. It's not a so, kind of a socialism that's being spoken of. No, it's talking about the bonding of the new members of the new family under a new savior that were now sharing together, speaking of what we do when we have communion again returning to the table it's so so important that we don't forget the table i was reading about the celebrity chef michael simon he's an author restauranteur tv personality and he endorses cookware and he made an interesting comment he said this he said every lesson i learned as a kid was at the dinner table then he says being greek sicilian ruthenian we are an emotional bunch in other words our nationality causes us to be a certain way. He says, it is where we laughed, cried, and yelled, but most importantly, where we bonded and connected. You see, that's what the table's meant to be. It's not just where you eat. Something happens, and that's what needs to happen between Christians and especially Christian families in the home and then in church. You know, we don't just stand in the line and take communion and then it's over. Practically, we have to do it like that, but we have to remember what we're actually involved in. And some of us, we focus on the wrong things. You know, I was reading that John Paul Getty, at the end of his life, this billionaire, wealthy man, used to sit alone at the end of a long dining room table, eating alone. You know why? Because he had loads and loads of money, but no one ever bonded with him. Did he have enough food? He could eat the finest of foods. But he ate it alone because the table is more than where you eat your meals. It's where you bond 
and where you connect. It's not just a place where you feed your face, but it's where you feed others and you share socially and you, and you minister to each other and you mix with each other. Now, Jesus, when he came to the table, even at the Last Supper, you remember that? And they all shared together. He took the sop and the Bible says he dipped it and he gave it to Judas. Now, why did he do that? It's because meals are not just about feeding your face and filling your plate. But in the Jewish tradition, it was about passing. Pass me a piece of bread. Pass me something. And you would share and you would take from this side of the table the beans and you'd pass them to that side of the table. And so when Jesus gave Judas the sop, he wasn't saying, watch this, watch this, guys. He was showing that it's, even though this man is betraying me, I'm still going to share my food with him because the table is the place of forgiveness. It's a place of healing. It's a place of mercy. And can I say this? If you're eating at the table together as families, there shouldn't be resentment. Husbands and wives shouldn't be betraying each other with other people. Children shouldn't be betraying their family and the family business outside. It's a place where we share and serve one another. And that's what Jesus did in the Last Supper because it's so important that we understand the table. Now, let me take you just for a moment here to the, to the New Testament. Paul says that uh, we shouldn't even eat with people who call themselves Christians but don't live as Christians. And you say, oh, man, that is hectic. What he's saying is we can't sit around a table like this and linger with people like that and share with those who are not serving God but are actually betraying us and deceiving us. He says, no, if you linger with them, you're going to become like them. So watch out. He's not saying, hey, don't feed people like that. He's saying there's much more to the meal. Then he also says those who don't work shouldn't eat. Man, that's hectic. What? Shame. Yes, not if they can't work, if they won't work. Because he's saying, you know, you can't come to this table the Lord's table or the table in a home and not be a contributor because it's not about stuffing your face. It's about sharing and bringing something. That's why when you go and eat a meal at someone's house, have you noticed? You ask the people, can I bring a salad? No, 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 no. Can I bring it? No, no. But you'll always go with, with a box of chocolates, with a, with a gift maybe, or something for the home, maybe uh, something to drink. We feel the need because we have to be contributors because that's what the table is. It's not where we get something for nothing. Single people, you don't just go and get a free meal. No, it's where you go and bond. And so that's why the table is so important. And that's why the New Testament speaks so strongly about the table. Did you know Martin Luther uh, used to invite people to his home and chat around the table? All sorts of people, judges, uh, politicians, uh, nuns that were excommunicated. Lots of people used to come and they used to have meals. And eventually a book was written called Table Talk um, that, that uh, one of the friends of Martin Luther compiled. He was, he was so absolutely honored to sit at the table and, uh, and hear the conversation with this man rather than the preaching from the pulpit. And Martin Luther is known to have said this, Table Talk is theology. In other words, what you say at the table to people in a relaxed atmosphere while eating and drinking with people is what you really believe about God and, let me add, what you really believe about people. Because we can get up and go on social media and, and portray ourselves as these very righteous, kind Christians, but actually deeply we hate people, we're racist, and, 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 but what you say at your table is very telling. And they discovered that what Martin Luther said at the table was incredibly valuable. If you get a chance, you can get the book called Table Talk. And, you know, you can learn so much more at a table than you can in a service. I remember years ago, I traveled to America and I went to the Dream Center. And Pastor Tommy Bonnet was the senior pastor. And we went to the morning services. We went to all of them. We went and looked at their children's church and what they call Sunday school. And we looked at their facilities and we sat tea with him. But then we invited him on Monday 
to supper. Why? Because we wanted to learn wisdom from him. Because wisdom is gleaned at the table. Wisdom is not gleaned in schools. And too many of us are expecting wisdom to come from universities, social media, online, when in fact wisdom comes from a table where you sit with generations of people, generations of Christians, and you learn. I love what it says in the book of Proverbs about wisdom and how it's learned at the table. Notice this in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 1. It says, wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. And she has also set her table. If you want wisdom, you've got to get to the table. She has sent out her servants and calls from the highest point of the city. Let all those who are simple come to my house. Not my classroom, not my university, my house, my table. To those who have no sense, she says, come and eat my food and drink my wine. I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will walk in the way of insight. You see, the table is where you learn real wisdom, the table of the home, but also the table of the Lord. It's a meal where we come and we share with one another as Christians and we share with the Lord and we hear what he's got to say from his word. Church services, communion services should be where we come together to hear what each other's got to say and we come together to hear what God's got to say and we eat of him and we share with him and then there's a wisdom that grows with us. And you know, as we come to talk about the Lord's table here, stay with me. That's why the Apostle Paul was so annoyed with the Corinthian church. He writes to them in 1 Corinthians, and he's appalled that they don't understand the table. They had, just like our modern society, left the table, left the Jewish table, left the table of the Lord, and they'd lost sight and become independent. Now, let me read this to you here, 1 Corinthians. We often read this in church and communion, and we read it in passing, but I want to share it with you because this is very important. He says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 20, he says, so then when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. Now watch. For when you are eating, so clearly it was a meal, he says some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. So they clearly weren't taking a little disc and drinking a little juice. They, they were eating like we were. And there was, there was life, like in the early book of Acts, when they broke bread and ate together. And he says here, as a result, one person remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? So then whoever eats and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves, therefore, as they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. You can see it's a meal. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Let's pause for a moment. What he's saying is you can't get together at a table and eat and not have have a sense of discernment for the body of Christ. Not about the actual bread. He's talking about the body of believers. If you don't care about them and you just care about feeding your face and going through a ritual, you're missing the point because this is a home table brought into church. And then he says you, you bring judgment. Now watch. He says, so then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. If anyone's hungry, you should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. You see, when you eat selfishly, when you eat without caring about others in your home or in the church, you're missing the table of the Lord, which is meant to bring people together. And he says it'll bring sickness on you. In fact, he goes on to say, many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. That's the judgment. Now think of this. Think of this carefully. The word illness has got an I in the beginning. When we only think of I, illness is the result. But if you take the same word and you add we to it, you get wellness. And so the table of the Lord will either bring illness or it will bring wellness 
depending on how we do it and how we share. And I think the same in a home. If there's a table of sharing, wellness can come to that family, physical and emotional. But when it's I, illness and sickness, and there's almost like a disease that comes. And so Paul says that's not how we ought to have communion. That's not how we ought to share. We ought to share at the table. I want to tell you, you know, the families at Rivers Church, many families that I know, people that I've eaten with, people whose homes I've been into, those who eat at a table as a family and share with one another have healthy children, uh, mostly uh, not dysfunctional, healthy in relationships, healthy in wisdom. They have, they have a good self-esteem because a lot of that is learned at the table. And the same is learned at the table of the Lord. We get our self-esteem from God, who we are. That, that's why have you ever thought why there was a table in the tabernacle? In the tabernacle was a table. Why a table? Why could they just have a stand? No, a table with bread on it, like I've got here, six pieces of bread. Why? Because it's about a meal with God, not some religious ritual. And the, t- the table, of, it's called table of showbread, which means the table of faces, funny enough. And that means this is where you look at God and God looks at you. And the bread is unleavened. And by the way, that table was made of acacia wood, indestructible. Insects can't eat it. And the tabernacle table lasted for 400 years. And you know what they say? It's got marks on it. It looks like it's been scourged. And that table represents Jesus, the indestructible one who was scourged, who now brings his unleavened bread. And we come and we sit at the table of the indestructible one, eating the bread of the faces, having fellowship with Jesus and enjoying God's presence. It's not some religious ritual that's kind of our ticket being clipped so we can go to heaven. I hope you're getting this today. Because it's so, so important that we understand how this has all come through Scripture and how Jesus has taught us about the Lord's table. So some quick things here quickly. What is the Lord's table in the time I have remaining? Number one, once you remember this today, it's a place of sharing. Your table at home and the Lord's table needs to be a place of sharing. It's where we share. And the Jews have kept this up on, on, on Friday nights. They're their Sabbath. They have what's called Shabbat. And it's time of in eating and drinking and sharing and laughing where the whole family devotes themselves to it. And they say it's Shabbat. Uh, they spend time singing and then they talk to one another. And interestingly enough, in Jewish culture, on Shabbat, if, if a husband and wife haven't had relations, Shabbat is the time to do it because it's all about bonding. It's not just about eating. So that your table in your home is, is very much about sharing. It's not about feeding your face after a busy day. And the table of the Lord is the same. It's about sharing with one another. George Myerson wrote an interesting book in uh, 2014, and it's called The Private History of Happiness. And you know what he did? He did a study to find out what made people happy. And this was his conclusion. Listen to this. He says, after tracking joy throughout history, I conclude that humans are happiest hanging out with friends gathered around tables with good food and conversation and laughter. A lot like Shabbat, a lot like the table of the Lord is meant to be. And he says, and if you can get that table out of doors so the sun can kiss your skin, and if you dine together and you provide help for others, then according to me, you have won the lottery of life. You see, sharing food around a table like the Jews have continued and like the Lord intends for us to do as Christians, that sharing will bring health and life and happiness to us rather than eating alone selfishly. You know, the Bible talks in Acts about the company of people, that they were a great company. And the Latin word for company is campaign. 
And campaign means one who brings bread. And so we need to be people who share and bring something of ourselves, bring food, but bring of ourselves at the table of the Lord and at our tables in our homes. Second thing here is this. It's a place of peace. The table of the Lord is a place of peace. Remember in Psalm 23, you set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You see, you can eat at the table no matter what's going on, no matter how crazy the world is. That's why families need to come back to the table because the table is what gives you peace. You know, after a busy day, after a world of chaos, after you've been at work and you've, you've dealt with angry customers, maybe an angry boss, angry employees or whatever it is, you come to the table and that's where there's a peace. That's why Sunday meals used to be so nice. People would give up the day and just come at peace. Now the Lord's table is a place of peace. We come to rest. That's what Shabbat means. It means rest. And we come and sit at the table and we eat at the Lord's table of the bread and we drink of the cup and we share with the Lord and we rest from our work. Just like the Sabbath day was rest and a meal they ate on Shabbat, we rest from our works. And so the table of the Lord is where I come and I enjoy God's presence and I rest from trying to be all that he wants me to be because he's done it and now I can come to his table and I can belong there and I can enjoy his presence and his gift of righteousness. Number three, it's a place of remembrance. It's a place of remembrance. Now Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. But let me just flick you right back into the Old Testament. Israel, when they were brought out of Egypt, were told to eat a meal, a Passover meal. They weren't told, oh, don't forget this incident. Every time you are at home, paint blood on the door. No, it wasn't the blood. It was the meal because they needed to remember, listen, listen carefully, they needed to remember that the meal is what made them a different people. Meals at a table, they say this is true, give people in the family identity because at the table is where you're told about your history, your upbringing. You know, my parents did this and my family did that and my brother was killed and my, my one member of my family was a victim of racism and we grew up in apartheid and we grew up under this and my family come from another country. Children learn and then they remember and they get the identity by what happened in the past so they never forget who they are and where they belong. Now the table of the Lord is the same. Like Israel, we eat a meal to remember where we've come from. We once didn't belong to God, now we do. And it's because of Jesus that we have a new identity and a new family, that's why the table of the Lord is so important. And we need to remember Jesus because he's the one who made us who we are in the same way God made Israel who they were. Quickly, number four. The fourth thing is this. It's a place of forgiveness and inclusion. You know, when you have people at your table in your home, it really means you're part of the family. And that's why we ought to have so many different kinds of people at our table because we extend love and grace to them and we, you're welcome. And we always at our table in our home, we have different kinds of people, different age groups, different races. They all come together and they eat and we share with one another. And there's no pretense, there's no formality. It's where we give acceptance and inclusion and we learn their stories and they learn our stories. And, and that's what Jesus did. The table forgives us and includes us. And that's why even at the table of the Lord, Jesus forgave Judas, even though he knew that Judas would betray him. He gave him the bread to show, hey, this is the place where I'm not going to hold things against you. I'm going to include you and I'm going to forgive you. And we see a picture of this beautiful table, which is a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. You know, King David, he looked for the son of Jonathan. And uh, the son of Jonathan, a very unique story, Mephibosheth, 
he was a young boy who, the son of Jonathan, when, when King Saul was killed and Jonathan was killed, a maid picked up this boy and ran with him, but she dropped him. And the Bible says he became lame. Now, you know, many people in life have been dropped. Maybe you've been dropped. You've been dropped by a friend. Maybe you've been dropped by a parent. Maybe you were dropped from a team when you were younger and you still hurt over that. Or maybe you've been dropped from a team as an adult. And you know, we can be dropped in life by employers, by parents, by friends, by churches. You can be dropped by illness, dropped by an economy. This economy can drop you. And people suffer from being dropped and they end up emotionally and spiritually lame. Now, King David is a picture of Jesus who invites us to the table because what he did with this boy Mephibosheth is he found him, and in a moment I'll read it, he found him and he brought him to his table even though he was actually a potential enemy he forgave him and included him. And that's what Jesus does when we come to his table. Now, it's not just any lame person. You see, uh, Jesus said at the great banquet, you must go out and invite the lame. No, those who are spiritually lame who come and sit at the master's table and eat with him are included. Now, watch here. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, and verse 3, the king asked, Is there anyone alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him. Isn't that cool? Don't be afraid because you're now at the king's table. He said, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Not because of anything you've done, but because of your father. And you see, we sit at the table because of Jesus. And he says here, I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Not just once, you should be lucky, but we always get to eat, even though we're lame spiritually, we're included and forgiven. And so you're most welcome at the table, Mephibosheth. And you know what? When you're at the table, your lameness is hidden under the table of the Lord, and you're forgiven. I need to come to a close. Number five, the last thing today, it's a place of separation. You see, when we eat at the Lord's table, we show that we belong to him and we belong to his family. That's why it's very dangerous to get into just having communion, being part of a big church, being part of a big mass of people. You need to realize you belong to a new family and you're actually sitting at a table. Now, Paul in 1 Corinthians says this in chapter 10. He says, do I mean then that food sacrificed to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons. So when people perform all sorts of religious exercises, it's not just harmless. We don't all serve the same God. Jesus brought us into his family. So we can't embrace all that answer at his table. There's a bit of a, an exclusion. There's inclusion, but there's also exclusion. And then he says this. He says, I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. See, what he's saying here is you're not, you're not just going to exclude people, but people who come to this table, they, they are a, a unique family with a unique Savior who suffered a unique death. That's why we get to sit here. This is not just another religion with another set of rules like many others. We've been brought to the table where we spend time with the bread of life and we enjoy his presence, and we are made special. So I want to encourage you at home. First, let me talk to you about your home. Get back to the table. Share, celebrate, eat. Make it a place of peace, place of forgiveness, place of inclusion. 
place of uh, acceptance and sharing and, uh, and make it a place that's special. Make it also a place of exclusion where you and your family share certain things that aren't shared with other people and then you guard your family. And then let's do the same with the table of the Lord. Realize we are very special. We've been forgiven. It's not about our works. We rest from our works. It's a place of peace and let's really enjoy it today. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 